0: With so much legislative activity these past few months, now is a great time to assess how evolving rules impact your workplace policies. Today, we'll identify a few areas of your employee handbook to review based on recent legislative trends. Welcome to HRpreneur, a small business podcast by ADP. I'm Jim Duffy and I'm Vice President of Marketing for ADP Small Business Services Division. You work incredibly hard to support your employees and make your business thrive. More than likely, this means you wear lots of hats, and one of those might be of an HR professional. We're here to help you get the insight you need to tackle day-to-day workplace issues. Here to talk about how to update your employee handbook for 2020 is Merrill Gutterman. Merrill works as counsel for ADP Small Business Services. Merrill, thanks again for joining us. Great to see you.
1: Thanks for having me, Jim.
0: In our last episode, we talked about a few compliance trends, sexual harassment protections, paid leave, pay equity, and protections for medical and recreational marijuana users. With these trends in mind, how can employers prepare for what's to come in 2020?
1: Well, a great thing for employers to do is to look at these trends and look at how the changing employment laws could impact their business and their policies and practices in 2020. And to put that in action, the employee handbook is a great place to start. Employers should start reviewing their employee handbook to make sure that it's remaining compliant with the changing laws and that it's still meeting business needs.
0: All right. so let's talk about how employers can update their policies in light of recent trends. Let's start with anti-harassment. So a number of states either adopted or amended their laws on sexual harassment training and notice requirements. What should employers consider as they review their policies?
1: Well, one thing to consider from the start is whether you as the employer are required to have a written anti-harassment policy there are several states including california maine uh, massachusetts new york rhode island vermont and dc that do require employers to have a written policy that prevents sexual harassment and really even if you're not required by law it's a best practice to have one anyway And then it's also important to keep in mind that anti-harassment policies have faced increased scrutiny, particularly in light of the Me Too movement. So if you do have a policy, you want to make sure that it's meeting or exceeding all the requirements that could apply to your business.
0: So when and how should the policy be distributed to your employees?
1: Well, for laws that address it, they do vary a little bit. Um, Some states require that employers provide the policy at the time of hire other states require within a certain number of months after the employee starts um and then some also require that the policy be distributed annually and there are also some states that require employers to translate the policy into the employee's primary language
0: now what about specific components of a sexual harassment policy what information should employers include
1: well generally speaking it's important to make it really clear that sexual and other unlawful harassment is not going to be tolerated in your workplace You should be defining sexual harassment and giving very specific examples of misconduct and then also make sure that your policy is addressing consequences for violating the policy. And with that said, you should also make sure you're clearly outlining your complaint procedure and explaining to your employees that they're not going to be retaliated if they file a complaint or if they participate in an investigation that's addressing alleged harassment.
0: Meryl, can you talk more about the complaint process? I imagine it's a pretty important element in preventing and responding to harassment.
1: Absolutely. Well, when you're thinking about your complaint process, I think the first thing to consider is that it may not be easy for a victim or a witness to come forward if they have a complaint. Sometimes the victim doesn't want to report harassment because they're concerned it's going to impact their career or it might cause additional trauma. In some cases, there could be a power differential between the accused and the victim, if there's a top executive and an employee just beginning their career. So that can make responding and reporting to harassment especially difficult for both victims and for witnesses. So it's really important that when you're drafting and thinking about your complaint procedure that you're offering your employees multiple avenues, different places they can report potential violations. If they need to, they can bypass their supervisor and go to HR. Um, And then there are also states that have very clear requirements that need to be included in a policy. So just make sure that you're aware of all of the complaint requirements that you should have and explain them clearly to your employees. Also your policy should require employees to report inappropriate conduct immediately. You should be telling employees that your company is going to investigate promptly and that you'll maintain confidentiality to the extent that
0: you can. That's great info, Merrill, thanks. So up next is paid leave. States continue to introduce or expand paid leave programs. Do these laws typically require a written policy?
1: Some of them do. And either way, it's a best practice to have a written policy for any employee leave that you're offering.
0: What are some of the common elements of a leave policy?
1: So you're going to want to be clear about the type of leave and define who is eligible, how much leave your employees are entitled to each year and how it's going to accrue and then you're also going to want to address whether the leave carries over at the end of the year whether it's paid or unpaid that's really important Um, the types of absences that are covered and also what's going to happen to the employees benefits when they're out on leave
0: what about the process for requesting leave should that be included in the policy absolutely
1: you should have a clear process for employees to follow You should get the request in writing and explain how much notice the employee needs to provide, when they can, of course. Um, And keep in mind how much notice an employee must provide could be dictated by law.
0: Now, I imagine the specifics of each of these elements will be dictated by local jurisdictions. Is that right?
1: Yes. Details like who is eligible, how much leave is provided, whether it's going to accrue, that's all likely going to be dictated by law. Of course, you can choose to be more generous than the law requires, but your policy has to at least comply with the minimum requirements of whatever law is applying to your business.
0: So, Merrill, in our last episode, you talked about how all-purpose leave is a new trend. How might this impact leave policies?
1: It is a new trend that we're seeing, and some states have started to implement all-purpose leave, meaning that employees can take time for any reason, not just for when they're sick. And in these states, the leave policy should be clear that employees can use that leave for any reason, and they're not required to disclose to their employer why they're taking that leave.
0: Gotcha. So let's move to pay equity. Many states have laws prohibiting pay discrimination, and in the past few years, several states expanded the scope of their laws to cover more than just gender-based pay discrimination. In light of these laws, how should employers examine their policies and procedures?
1: Well, I think it's important for employers to look at their policies and make sure they're not perpetuating the pay gap. For example, policies that request an applicant's pay history could result in continued lower wages in a new role. And there are a number of states and local jurisdictions that have recognized this, and they prohibit employers from asking for this information.
0: Meryl, what about pay secrecy policies? I used to hear a lot about employers developing rules prohibiting pay discussions.
1: Well, employers should avoid pay secrecy policies since federal and many state laws prohibit rules that restrict co-workers from discussing their pay with one another.
0: All right. Last time, you also talked about the legalization of marijuana. Can employers in states that permit recreational or medical marijuana still enforce a zero-tolerance drug policy? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Regardless of whether marijuana is legalized, employers still have the right to prohibit use in the workplace, on company property, and during work hours.
0: What's the impact on these laws for employers who make it a policy of drug testing their new employees?
1: Well, we've learned from some recent state court decisions that employers can't refuse to hire a medical marijuana user based solely on a positive drug test, and that the employer may have to make exceptions to their drug testing policy. And also recently in New York City, they passed a law that prohibits employers from requiring a prospective employee to submit to a drug test for marijuana altogether.
0: What if an employee claims that because they're a medical marijuana cardholder, that the employer's zero tolerance drug policy does not apply to them?
1: While some states have employment protections for employees who use medical marijuana outside work, Employers still aren't required to allow employees to be impaired at work, so in that sense, the employer's zero tolerance policy would continue to apply, despite the fact that the employee is a cardholder.
0: Gotcha. Are there any other additional policies employers may want to review now that the new year's upon us?
1: Of course, there always are. Um, so in recent years, we have seen many states enact laws that require employers to provide reasonable accommodations for pregnancy and childbirth. So if you're in a state and subject to a pregnancy accommodation law, you may be required to have a written policy about that. And even if you're not in a state that requires it, it really is a best practice to have one as well.
0: Meryl, it's been great speaking with you. HR compliance is so important, and we're glad to share this with our listeners. Thanks for coming on the show again to talk to us about Handbook Policies to Review in 2020.
1: Thanks for having me, Jim.
0: I wanna thank ADP Insurance Services for sponsoring today's episode. You can earn free payroll by referring ADP and if you want to find out more, you can just reach out to your local ADP sales rep. I also wanna thank you for listening to HRpreneur. If you like the show, please give us a five-star review. And for all the latest episodes, subscribe on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen. Thanks again for joining us.